1: This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by my
0: good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm doing pretty well. You know, uh, we were talking a little bit in our pre-pro about how it seems like everything, like we're, we're at the end of the month. But it does seem like August, because of all, like, everything going on in the world, it does seem like August is, like, this crushing mass of people attempting normalcy, but there is no normalcy, and that's, like, a huge, like, existential thing that's been bouncing off and on in my head over the last few days. So, you you know, other than that, I'm, I exist as much as I did last week, take it as you will. How are you doing, Big Cat?
1: Doing all right. Um, Trying to move. A lot of stuff going on at work. It sucks. So, I was really looking forward to this Dynamite episode last night, and it did not deliver, which we'll get into. We're also joined, of course, by Nate, a.k.a. Epinesis. What's up, Nate?
2: Hello, it's me. I'm here on the podcast, everyone. Uh, this is the podcast where we discuss AEW. Hey, um, wanted to check in. Is SB still enjoying some Animal Crossing time?
1: SB is an Animal Crossing fiend. She plays probably daily. Okay. Good.
2: I'm glad to hear it. They just put out a new update. Last night, of course, we recurred this on Thursdays, um, so you may be listening to this on Friday, in which case the update came out two days ago. Uh, But it does have the new Dream Suite Island Visitation System, which means that you can visit people's islands without them being online at the exact same time. So, you know, hopefully we can get that sorted.
1: I got the sense that people have kind of gotten off of the Animal Crossing bandwagon. I don't I don't really see any tweets about it, and I don't hear you all talking about it in the chat, so.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's a it's a pretty... Uh, this is going to be controversial. I'm going to get Uh-oh. some haters. Uh, it's a pretty shallow game beyond sort of uh, configuring the aesthetics of the island to be what you want it to look like. Like, you know, other than that, it's just sort of, okay, go collect bugs and shells and things like this. So, you know, you kind of have to make your own fun out of it, but yeah. Uh, you know, I still put a good, I don't know, 50 plus hours in it before I was like, okay, I've had probably my fill for the time being.
0: No, that's kind of how I'm like, it's something that there is like the uh, plateau you hit that you after you've done everything, and you've pretty much just are now just maintaining. And when you hit like that level, I don't know, at least for me personally, there hasn't been as much stuff in the game month to month and day to day to really like keep me at it. So I'm off that. I've been playing, since I switched over to a PC, I got that $1 Xbox Game Pass, and that let me play the 2014 game Sunset Overdrive. The only like <laughs> Xbox One exclusive I was halfway interested in, so I've been doing that as of late. So that's been where my gaming attention has been i'm a big sucker for like games that remind me somewhat of jet set radio and let you like grind stuff so it, it's now did awesome. you see there's a
2: spiritual successor to jet set radio that was just announced yeah i
0: saw that I, i'm stoked that's like right up my alley i mean i remember when i had my ex, not my xbox my uh dreamcast and jet set radio came out and This was like in the late 90s, early 2000s, like skating video game heyday. But this one did something completely different. And I was all about that. So I'm stoked for it. I like Jet Set Radio Future as well. I mean, right now we're just listing a bunch of things that I think AB just looking at him. I I can't tell if he can believe what I'm saying or he thinks I'm making shit up as I go along.
1: Uh, I started to like think about. Uh, when baseball started tonight and, uh, other things like that. I just, I figure you guys get really into like the intricacies of gaming. I, I just, I don't know anything about it. So.
2: Uh, I will say Mike totally strikes me as a dreamcast guy. Totally. Been like, yeah, oh, I Mike love the makes dreamcast town.
0: The dreamcast ruled. Like it's one of those things that I remember like it, cause it came out like right as I was getting to high school. So like that was same like this, it had the good sports games before, sega really kind of screwed up the 2k franchise and it was a good system i had a good amount of fun with it i even like sonic adventure so big big V cat fan over here
1: okay well that's your gaming update for all the boys plus SB. uh you know sp is a tinkerer at heart so i think animal crossing is just like right up her alley
2: yeah i had a feeling she'd enjoy it and they do continue to update it with you know cute little new things to do from month to month um So, yeah, it's got some
1: longevity in that way. She hasn't played it any less, I don't think, since she started it. And she's been playing for a few months now.
2: Yeah. My uh, my issue is, if you look on the Twitter and follow, you know, the game at all, there's these, like, impossibly ornate or super well-designed islands, you know, largely from, like, people uh, posting in kanji with, like, you know, all these custom designs that they did themselves to perfectly recreate something in the game. Uh, and they'll be like just an entire themed Island that looks, you know, unbelievable. And I look at that and I go, yeah, and I, I'll obviously never be able to do anything approaching that. So why just even bother at all, which is, you know, sort of how I approach a lot of things.
1: I was
0: going
2: to yeah. say,
1: that's how I feel about life generally.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things that you're like, Oh, you were able to get the stuff to make the wrestling ring. I looked at my place and I was like, I have to add so much things around my Island just to get the rating up high enough. Like I got, then after I got KK Slider, I was like, "Okay, what's there for me to do right now?" And I was just like, shrug, and then fell out of it. And their islands are way too well developed and in depth, and I don't want to put that amount of time into it.
1: All right. Well, if you want to uh, ask us more questions about our about our Animal Crossing adventures, you can find us at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Please get these episodes as soon as they're ready. Uh, Give us a rating and review, a five-star rating on the Apple Podcast app if you use that. And of course, if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash everything elite, which we'll talk about later in the show. On the show tonight, we are going to play Elite or Delete. We're going to run down Dynamite from last night. We'll talk about the ratings. We'll talk about what's going to happen next week on Dynamite. And I think that's about it. That's pretty much what we're going to talk about. We'll, we're will we going to talk a little Deadly Draw. Don't you worry about that. That's coming up. Uh, but first, we'll play Elite. Or Delete. Delete. Elite. Delete. Elite. Delete. delete. Elite. Elite.
2: Elite. 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 Stop.
0: Stop. Elite. 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 Elite.
1: Elite. Elite. Nate, as is customary, uh, you know, the idea, what I want you to do this time, Nate, mm. I know we do this, we do this weekly. I want to give mm. it a little spice this time. So okay. what I'd like you to do is to pick what you think was the best thing that happened on Dynamite last night.
2: Oh, I really wish you'd told me that before we started recording here. Sorry, buddy. Kind of putting me on the spot um, to just try and come up with one thing I liked about the show. Uh which maybe is actually a little bit tougher this week, uh, certainly than <laughs> right. last week. Uh, just a very weird show, weird energy. Uh, you know, almost felt like a different promotion than last week. Um, this has been, you know, they've done that before, where it's like one week you'll have oh, it's the Young Bucks and uh, Kenny Omega, and you know, this has the real upstart, uh, uh, new generation energy that you'd like to see that sort of uh, embodied you know, you're all ins. And then other weeks it's like, oh, here's Matt Hardy in an extended singles match and uh Jake Hager in a title challenge and it's like real, you know, uh uh secondary promotion kind of shit. Anyway, uh the thing I liked on this show was the main event. I thought the main event was pretty much the strong point. There was a lot to like about it. Uh it was set up by some strong promos. I'll I'll call it the Ricky Starks promo in particular is being pretty strong. And that was One of the main things I liked about this match was, you know, they signed Ricky Starks, I don't know, three weeks ago. uh, Immediately gave him a story and a little alliance uh, so they can introduce him to the crowd and give him a way to get involved in what is now a main event storyline. He's now in the main event on national television, which is cool. Um, And that's, you know, he's a very capable loss pole for this team of Brian Cage so they can continue to beat Cage. Without um, you know uh, hurting their big monster with the FTW title, uh, and yeah, this match was pretty cool. Uh, it was a really cool spear on the apron, right leading into the ad break, uh, and then the finish was just awesome. You had John Moxley sliding across the apron and doing like a sliding trap armbar, and then Darby doing, of course, the thumbtack. Um, what would you call it? Plant thumbtack plant with the skateboard to Ricky yeah, okay. Starks.
0: It was like a double stomp using the skateboard.
2: Yeah, I was trying to use a skateboarding term for it. I think it's that a plant when you just like go up a ramp and then just plant your feet on the wall or whatever. I think so. Anyway. We have to um,
1: consult uh, Patrick Cosmos.
2: Yes, I think so. Uh it well, it wasn't a manual. Uh I you know, it wasn't really an alley. Anyway. Um, and then Ricky Starks sold it like a Jillion bucks. I don't know if that was a seller, or just like, you know, he tweeted about being too pretty for the deathmatch shit. Uh, and he sold it like he was absolutely shocked to get all these th- tax driven into him. And then all the way down to getting pinned with his leg twitching and looking like he was, you know, uh, disassociating his mind from body was very cool. And uh, I thought at least gave them a pretty legitimate and strong segment to end the show, uh, even after it had a you know remarkably slow start.
0: Yeah. And I think the big thing, and you touched on it a little bit was before the match we had this backstage promo like right next to the right next to the tunnels going out with both uh, Taz and Ricky Starks and it just had a different vibe given off there of course they did the tease of where's Darby Darby's music played and there was no sign of Darby but then you immediately went back to team Taz and Taz had another one of like his great promos and then you give Ricky Starks like it seemed like they cut Ricky off like with when they started to cue their music but you, you you basically gave him about two minutes for him just to cut a promo and it was when you compare that to a promo that happened in the segment previous that went on forever and felt incredibly scripted and a little bit contrived this felt like just like Ricky Starks cutting a promo about like why he's with this why he's his motivation I thought that that really ruled. And if that was easily, I I feel like that it's going to be a a lot of a harder job for a B and I to think up of positives on the show or the fair things is you've named easily like this last half hour or rather this last 20 minute segment was easily the best part of the show.
1: Yeah. This whole story is really good. They're really kind of hitting on all cylinders with the intersection of these four people uh, and plus Taz, I guess. So, I mean, it's not only, Do you have a story that's really working, but it's your main event story? So that's really nice, you know, that it all kind of plays together, which is why I was really disappointed in the MJF segment. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as we go on. But uh, not something I would have done when you have something that's cooking like this is. But Mike, what was in second place for you and in a distant second place for the best thing on this show?
0: Well, I guess my distant second place thing was the inset video they had for diamante before her match of hikaru oh uh, we all kind of joke around that nate loves vlogs and i love uh shoulder content and this was like really solid minute and a half just getting the audience and getting the viewership to get to know hikaru uh, hikaru Shida's opponent diamante and especially as it does certainly seem that diamante is going to be sticking around a lot longer there's been no news about a contract or anything like this but with like the deadly draw all the talk that's going on about the third hour like having like a dedicated time for someone to get them over especially when you compare it to someone earlier on the show like warhorse did not get the usual treatment that a cody opponent usually gets so i thought that that was kind of a smart use of time and especially in a division that's been as maligned as the women's division so i i really enjoyed that and you know it, it, it's something that like after like these two things for me to like pick what would be my third favorite thing. It would be just be digging for gold It's just, you have to dig for this episode.
1: Well, I guess that uh that's going to fall on to me uh, because yes, I did like Diamante video. I, you know, you don't have to There were, I guess I heard this. I didn't really see it, but I heard the discourse about the discourse, people complaining about Darby challenging Moxley for next weekend or next week Uh because he's not one of the top contenders or whatever, but it's like, Sometimes you just need a good little match with uh, with your champion. This wasn't even a title match. So it, the match didn't really deliver for me on the same level. But if you can get us interested slightly, you know, maybe it would have been smart to do this last week to kind of get you built up for uh, for this match. But it did a little thing, and we got to learn about Diamante, and that was nice.
0: Uh, countering about people complain about Darby being the number five contender. John Moxley defeated Brian Cage. He's number three. Defeated Brody Lee, he's number four. MJF, number one contender, launched a challenge for All Out. So that the only other person, if you're using the rankings, is oh, Darby's fifth. Why don't you go higher? Would have been Lance Archer. And what's Lance Archer been doing? So I think that that is a pretty like fake argument that people are developing. Sorry, I just want to interject that right there.
1: That's fine. I will. I guess I'll jump right into my um, favorite thing from the show. Which is just like okay, I hear people saying, and what you just said, Mike, it's true. They didn't really give Warhorse the kind of thing that they've given Ricky Stark, so they gave Eddie Kingston. You know, where you get to learn a little bit about them as they go into this match with Cody. They kind of just was like, "Here's fucking Warhorse, buddy. You know, do your thing." And I can understand how people don't like that, but I think there's a real distinction. I could be really wrong about this, but I think they have or are signing Eddie Kingston. I think Eddie Kingston's coming into this promotion, and he got a little bit of time to shine because of that. But Warhorse, this is what I like about this: you don't have to sign Warhorse, but it's cool that they're bringing in guys like that and just throwing them on national TV to have a match, even if they don't sign Eddie. They threw him on TV and let him have a match, and Warhorse got to kind of show what he what he can do. His rate goes up for future bookings. He gets some exposure. Uh, and I'm sure he got a nice payday. So I just think it's cool that they brought this guy in to have a real match, not just an enhancement match.
2: Yeah, I uh, I didn't see those complaints. But, um, you know, you bring in Eddie Kingston and, you know, don't give him mic time would be a crime. So you have to do that. Diamante, you know, they do a video, inset video uh, to establish who she is because she's challenging your champion, right? Uh, Warhorse, you know, I don't know that well, I think this might be the first match I've seen, maybe the first match I've seen from this guy in this persona, but I mean, they gave him a ton. They gave him uh, a new theme song. You can take that new Mikey Ruckus original and take it to the Indies with him. He's got, he got fireworks. He got a custom ring announcement. He got a little baby face spot after the match. Um, and I don't, You know, obviously he's not a promo on the level of Eddie Kingston, but uh, you know, it seems like he got over it from his social media following in this character that he does. And they gave him all the trappings of that character. They gave him, you know, they wheeled out the red carpet for fucking, you know, you're a guy who had bangs and has pyro and, you know, listens to metal or whatever. So that was, I think a a point in their favor is like, we're not going to just bring you out here as a geek. We're going to you know, make sure people understand what the appeal of the Warhorse character is by giving you all this stuff. We're going to put over that you're the independent wrestling television champion and put over that that's meaningful and is not just some bullshit. Um, so, you know, they honestly went above and beyond, I thought,
1: in uh, establishing the guy and, and protecting him a little bit. Nate, I'm hurt a little that you don't recall us sitting next to each other watching Jake Parnell okay. fight for was- the Zero One one USA World Championship.
2: That's why I edited myself and, and said that I had never seen him in this persona because I had a vision in my head of, wait a minute. And I did see a zero one one USA title match, didn't I? So yes, we did. I, yeah. I actually did remember that, uh, but I was not 100% that it was Jake Parnell. The other guy was definitely the stiff robo-gender, Gary J,
1: right? That's right. It was. Nailed it. I think they took that match around the country <laughs>
0: and, and of course that title is much more different than the zero one usa northeast championship that's different right category, different this, different thing
1: this is i think it's the world championship i don't know it might just be the american championship or some shit i,
0: I mean who knows with that i i do know originally that was like a steve carino thing that i think has just completely spiraled out from there but it, it, it's so is interesting. That, wait
2: who's the who is the zero one guy was that hashimoto
0: Hashimoto, sorry, one yes. Okay,
2: yeah, there was a... I don't know why I looked this up. The The one USA would run a yearly Shinya Hashimoto memorial Memorial tournament. Yeah, and Adam Cole was the winner. (laughs) I mean... He's he's the heir apparent to Shinya Hashimoto.
0: Yeah, that's what I'll say. He definitely is the heir apparent to Shinya Hashimoto that that no truer words have been spoken. Uh, It's interesting how this Cody thing is and how the... TNT title is and you have war horse with this. And I, I actually want to push back a little bit of what you said, AV, uh, Eddie Kingston still under NWA rolling contract for a while.
1: That's right. You, you told me that yesterday. That's right.
0: Yeah. Just want to do like that. It, it's interesting though, because as I talked about on Patreon, they had a brand new independent wrestling title for war horse at this weekend of shows that, they, that he was on in uh, Atlantic city, New Jersey, didn't get to bring out the that new that new flashy white title that they had it's like white stripe white strap and all of this so they, they they did do a lot of things that I think like got the character though so I think it, you're you're dead on about that I just find it interesting that all those trappings they didn't let another uh, another promotions belt be on TV when in other cases they have before
2: but only partner promotions
0: that's fair that's fair
2: Um, you would think like I don't know Pretty sure Billy Corker needs the money to keep running the NWA, so you could probably buy out Eddie's contract for a a reasonable sum.
0: That's, I mean, that could be an avenue that using Care Forward, I could see that happening. I could see that happening.
2: Because, I mean, his tea house closed. Obviously, the Pumpkins aren't playing any shows. Uh, Zwan not playing any shows. I mean, that's any Any income streams he could get, I'm sure he would take.
0: Yeah, and the last set of pumpkin shows did not do very well at all. So, that 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 could be a possibility.
1: I, I said I did confirm that it was the Zero One USA Heavyweight Championship. I just wanted to be clear about that. I did some searches. There's also apparently the Zero One USA Illinois Championship. So this is not to be confused <laughs> for that, even though we saw it defended within the state of Illinois. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, Jake Parnell uh, unfortunately lost that title to. Jake
2: Durden,
1: Durden. Durden. and <laughs> uh, the spelling is a little different, so I don't think okay. so. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I, th- I thought there was going to be something funny here because I thought Kohei Sato was the original holder of this title and it'd be funny the where it went, but it looks like some guy called Frank Wyatt was the original holder. So That's just what-
0: imagine the, uh, zero one USA, uh, world championship video crawl that could go on. That would go from Kohei Sato to, uh, to Jake Parnell, not Warhorse, but Jake Parnell, and then to Frank Durden. Like, just imagine what a bunch of champions. Totally in the, the lineage and the legacy of Shinya Hashimoto.
1: That's right. All right, well, I think there's a lot more that we didn't like about this show. So, Nate, tell me what you would have deleted from this show.
2: Um, well, I feel bad doing this because I obviously took everybody's number one with a bullet choice for the good thing on the show. Uh, I'm gonna do the same for this segment. <laughs> uh, the well, no, you guys have mentioned some of these other things, so maybe you'll maybe you would want to talk about that. Uh, the opening match, the 10 Man Spot Fest of Best Friends and Jurassic Express versus the Inner Circle, uh, just immediately set this show off with the wrong tone. Um, hard to identify exactly why the the crowd was definitely smaller than it has been, um, and you know, Orange Cassidy came in and did his little soft kicks to kick the show off um that's i don't know they've been using that sparingly as uh an in mat a a mid-match sort of uh spot that again you know relies on the crowd going oh and selling it huge uh and he came out and did it right away and the crowd just didn't sell it and it was like oh no this isn't right and just set the whole thing off weird um the production was not ideal you got a lot of You know, you would get shots like the inner circle preparing for a catch at ringside, which totally interrupted the rhythm of your everybody does a dive spot. Uh, and it just made it all seem, um, you know, more contrived and fake and, uh, less dynamic than you would want it to. You know, they did, they kind of got it on track. Obviously, these are professionals who sort of know what they're doing in this kind of match. Uh, but, you know, when you have something that seems so, uh, off kilter and again contrived early in the match, and then you build to the big thing where everybody runs in, does their finisher, and then gets hit by the next guy's finisher. It just makes it seem all the more fake and and uh, you know manufactured. So uh, yeah, that uh, and and then of course the finish. Almost forgot the finish. Uh, just the absolute dregs of pro wrestling finishes directly out of the WWE playbook, where Sammy Guevara was distracted by someone's music. And, and got pushed off the turnbuckle by Matt Hardy because uh, Matt Hardy is feuding with him because he, uh, I think, likes Sammy, but once him out of the inner circle and his way of achieving this is going to be costing him matches, I guess. Uh, it was fucking very bad bullshit.
0: And it's something where having this match open up the show when they've had such a strong, I guess, president set where it's all like... They like having the hot match starting off the show. Hot match, fierce action. Nothing like a uh, a really fierce and uh, hot match and get out of Jake Hager to start off the show. And and when you would think that like in these ten man tags you'd have them so that you could have your more work rate, your more active wrestlers be the people that could perform most in the match, so that you save Jake Hager for like his. 90 seconds or a minute and a half or a 90 seconds. This is a minute and a half, Mike. Or like the three <laughs> minutes that, that you would have out of them. But no, th- this is a match that felt like it was like way too much like Jake Hager and Luchasaurus. And that was like a real bummer with that. And it's just like, and then now next week we're going to have a 12-man tag. And I, it's going to be something where like, did they know that they completely uh just whiffed on this one? It's like, no, we want to have a bigger tag match with people that are going to see, like we can do a fun like match like this. Cause they they're coming off like the great eight man tag that they've had in recent months, like with jungle boy and lucha with just source in there. So like, it's not like that. This is a problem with the promotion. They just like put a, like a really just boring match that ate up like the first 20 minutes of the show. And it was completely unsatisfying because you had that WWE ass finish that, that Nate brought up.
1: Yeah. it
2: sucks. Oh. I also just don't – I don't want to see Chris Jericho in the first match on this show, like, ever. Like, yeah, I, you have to protect him and just, like, act like it's a real wrestling program. You know, I've complained about the order they put things in, and they constantly put, like, the tag title match in this first segment. Uh, and I get it because they want to do high-energy, high-work-rate stuff in the first match because they, you know, think that's their calling card or whatever or that's going to keep people's attention. Uh, but if you fail at doing that, which they did in here, uh, then it all falls apart. And, uh, you know, I, I think kind of hurt Chris Jericho's stature by being involved in this at the very top of the show.
1: Well, and it, it set a whole bad environment for the whole show. As you were, as you were alluding to there of like, it's kind of hard to come back from this, you know, when the week before we were saying, wow, how are they going to top this Eddie Kingston match? That's really the wrong way of looking at it. It's that. The Eddie Kingston match was so good that you're hyped up, and it's going to make you forgiving, really, of everything else on the show because the first thing is so good. Maybe that's, you know, what the thing about Nitro was, was that the the Lucha matches that they would put on first were so fun and so exciting that you didn't give as much of a shit about the shitty Hulk Hogan thing at the end of the show, you know? So... Yeah, it just put a bad taste in my mouth. And it's like, I was excited for it. Like a, a 10-man match is a good idea for an opening segment, I think, because you can just do a bunch of cool stuff. But they didn't do any of the cool stuff. There were like no cool spots, really. It was slow.
0: Match. Yeah. It was slow and boring and plotting, which that's kind of what they were. I had to check my notes to make sure this happened. It wasn't a fever dream. Exactly how uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy versus Jericho and Hager was the week before. Hmm. Like, it was that exact theme. But you've brought down now... Santana Ortiz with it you brought down best friends with it it just just sucked and it did yeah. get you like in a bad mood that like even after this like Cody and Warhorse was not a bad match but you were put in such a bad mood that just like you, you're trying to pull up from the tailspin and really it was too, far too late when the show truly like kind of peaked and was able to pull itself out of it all right well give us your delete pick Mike I'm going to delete the MJF promo it is so mjf has now made a challenge towards john moxley for the main event of all out where he is wants to be the as he says he's undefeated he is not undefeated he's he lost a tag match there but that's a plot point that they've made into a thing but he said like that and he's doing this under a running a political campaign thing there's a lot of like weird pseudo political stuff that they were like trying to be like hey it's, we're gonna have a debate we're gonna have that i'm like guys i don't want to think about that right now but then you have mjf doing this and this was like a 15 minute thing that had a lot of not just like lightly veiled shots but just like corny shots at wwe and it's something where i feel like that since the end of the cody and mjf feud they've given him more and more mic time. And I don't think that that's something that MJF is very good at. I think that his longer promos like this one end up just going on and on and on. And, and it's, this all felt like a big uh, takeoff of when impact, I guess it was four years ago with EC3, they had like EC3 campaigning to get a title shot, campaigning to be the champion. And it just is one of those things that I, I, I know that like MJF has been someone that pretty much since, uh, double or nothing and after the uh, match with uh, Jungle Boy he's kind of just been there and they kind of wrapped up the MJF and Wardlow versus uh, the Jurassic Express feud and it's like that's done but like you're kicking this off here we're about five weeks away from All Out but we still don't have much in- of anything there and it's like it, he's like bringing up these things like oh John Moxley is the person who controls the program John Moxley is the person that is uh, controlling his matches he's picking like the top contenders according to the ranking system. So like he's already like trying to be like the, I am like the force of right. And he's not because they've properly have set up the things that according to their rankings, which it's their ranking. So hand wave it did like this. And then it just went on and on. And it was just one of those things that this was like the capper on me. I was going like, this is a bad show. This was a show I did not enjoy. And this was the thing I enjoyed the least on it.
2: Yeah. I, um, you know, I don't think the content of the promo was that bad. I, you know, th- you know, maybe your issue with the content of the promo is like some he made like some correct babyface points in it, <laughs> which you know it isn't really you know out of lines or out of bounds for a heel character, but you know his criticism of the promotion, you know, and their relation to WWE and how they should distinguish themselves. Uh, you know, there was some truth to that. Um, I thought. The, again, the, uh, the artifice or the manufactured nature of it, where they had to put all these trappings of it being a campaign thing on it is really what rubbed me the wrong way. I can't imagine why they think now is a good time to be like, Hey, let's do some good old fashioned Americana election shit. Uh, cause yeah, nobody fucking wants to deal with that whatsoever. Um, it's not cute. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, not cute when this was going to be the site of like the Republican national convention. Um, and you know, it it is well-trod ground. I know, uh, but, but, you know, long before TNA did it, I know Drew Gulak was doing it in CZW that part, you know, maybe if this is a callback to CZW and and MJF was, does have the yellow and black logo and shit that he's doing now. Uh, that's kind of fun, I guess, but I don't know, Drew Gulak pretty much does this kind of shtick better. And, uh, this is just, uh, you know, a totally different world than 2011 or whenever he was doing that. And yeah, I don't. I don't want to engage with your fucking fake campaign speech. I don't, uh, you know, it's long after super Tuesday. So why is super Wednesday, even a thing that doesn't make any sense. Um, but you know, you know, at least he's getting to his title challenge, which is what makes sense given where he's been, uh, uh, the momentum that he's built up, I suppose in terms of wins and losses anyway, but yeah, you know, just putting this big, uh, This big construct, this big fake framing device around this promo didn't make it seem any
1: more real, uh, and that's not to his benefit. My big problem is that it's a, a departure in a lot of ways from the real logic of the MJF character in that he has told this same story about his relationship with Cody that Cody's pulling the strings and Cody's abusing his power, and that's what's screwing MJF over. And then he used basically the same logic to go after John Moxley. Well, this is bad leadership from John Moxley. And that it just makes it ring hollow. And that's that you can use that in a way that works for a heel like MJF for sure. But I didn't it didn't feel that way. Like that's what they were going for, of like, oh, I'm uh, kind of playing with the thing that I normally do, and now I'm being uh, disingenuous by doing it to Moxley. It just kind of feels like this is the the idea that we have for MJF and whoever is the big person he's going to go after. That's what we're going to plug it into, but it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially considering that Cody has a title. So they could have worked the exact same uh, gimmick or, or angle with Cody. I know he's not the champion of the whole promotion, but they're presenting the titles supposedly as if they're equal. So, you know, the rankings are leading up to either of those titles so I just kind of hated that in a lot of ways. You guys have talked about the actual, like the presentation of the promo, which I think was bad. I think, which I'm the low guy, maybe worldwide on MJF as a promo. So, you know, I I, I like, I think at this point he's had a better, his work has been better than his promos, uh, it, it, certainly recently. So I think that's like a really weird flip around for MJF. But yeah, for all the reasons you guys said, I just kind of wanted to, turn this off and make it go away. And it made me less interested in an MJF Moxley match, especially when, as I was mentioning earlier, you already have this really fun story going on with the four guys who were in the main event. So pulling Mox away from that, I was saying on Light the other day, I would have just done, I would redo Mox and Cage on top at All Out. And you can put Darby and Ricky Starks underneath in that. You can do a big Cody match and you got a fucking card. You can do Cody and MJF. That's what I would have done. You got a card right there. Uh, so I just, I think this hurts, not just MJF. It hurts Mox and that whole story. And so it just bums me out.
0: And it hurts Cage.
1: Yes, that's true. It,
0: it hurts Cage. And by proxy hurting Cage, it hurts Moxley. Because now Cage is feuding with this guy who has his next immediate shot lined up. And then his shot down the road lined up. So. That that
2: doesn't bother. I like I like having multiple storylines and feuds brewing at once. I think that's a positive of the promotion. Uh, we said the same thing when Cage was feuding with Moxley and Darby at the same time, and those have sort of coalesced. Um, you know, but I, I think it's good that MJF has gotten these wins and uh, you know gotten big wins, and now he has made this challenge because that's a logical thing for him to do. It didn't make sense for him to be out of the title picture given the way that he was being presented. So. You know, it makes sense that he would come out and say, I'm calling my shot. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm making this challenge to the champion. I don't give a fuck what he's dealing with later because I'm concerned about myself. That is all fine with me. Um, yeah, I think the the issue is he comes across like a better Miz and it's like, oh, you're very studied sort of, uh, you know, your, your methodology for doing promos is like you read a textbook on doing heel promos or something and there's just not that. Uh, uh 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 that authenticity to it uh i mean it's still better than the miz but it's like an, an advanced form of that
1: yeah it reminds me a lot i think that's a great comparison it reminds me a lot of people i just feel like i always hear there was a time when it was like oh miz is so fucking good he's so underrated and i'm like i just think he's bad like i don't think yeah,
2: he's definitely bad
1: MJF but is way better than the Miz, I think.
2: MJF is better, but you can see like he he even does the, like, oh, it's my time to talk now. And it's like, yeah. okay. That's like almost directly from the Miz, which was hack when he was doing it. <laughs> right. And yeah. he's just, you know, he's got the WWS, you know, heel catchphrase stinger on the front of his music. It's just very Yeah. It, it, you know, we, we, the the Ben Shapiro, the Jacob Wool of uh being a heel or whatever. It's not authentic. It's whatever this uh, you know, fake handed down version of being a heel is a- again, you know, he's executing it, I think pretty well and better than a lot of other people, but it's still just not, not the same.
0: And n- not to further belabor the point, it's frustrating because he has kind of gone into this route. Whereas the whole r- road with like him and Cody was like, you didn't have to rely upon those tropes because it was such an obvious story and he was effective at, avoiding cody setting up the hurdles to cody they thought that cody were was never going to do and it led to cody overcoming them and they had their match like that he didn't have to rely on all the things there and then he was able to use the betrayal as like the big thing with him and cody and whereas with moxley it's he's it's like miz shit and it's lame
1: yeah there's there's nothing there to sink your teeth into for an mjf mox feud i guess well you know that's what why you build a, a an angle. So I guess we'll give them a chance yeah, to build it before we that, bury that, it.
2: That's why they put all this uh, rigmarole around it by making it a fake campaign speech. It's like, well, we don't have a real issue here. So we've got to dress it up in some way that the title challenge seems unique and not just uh, cast off.
1: That's it, Nate. That's like all the shit around it that made it feel worse is like an admission that we know there's nothing there. It is a fucking... Political event, right? It is a convention. <laughs> we know that we don't have anything to offer you, so let's make it look big. Let's do pomp and circumstance. There you go. Great point, mate. I hate to really put you over this much, but thought that was a great point.
2: I'm very smart.
1: <laughs> you are very smart. I, I want to bury some other WWE ass shit. <laughs> All right, That's so good. you have somebody pop up on this episode who hasn't been. Hasn't even been on WWE TV in a long time. Wasn't very good when they were on WWE TV. Has done a lot of shit that's just, you know, cringe inducing that we see, you know, passed around on social media from time to time. And I'm, of course, talking about Matt Cardona.
2: Good. (sighs) Okay. You're going to get mad if you went the other direction. You almost (laughs) had me. me in the first half. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I, lo- I, I saw how this was going. I was like, oh, this is going to be a classic AP switcheroo here. And well done. Well done.
1: <laughs> All right. Here's my thing. Okay. W- uh, WWE almost said, AEW has earned a lot of goodwill from me or built up a lot of goodwill with me that they can bring in people who I'm not really that excited about. And they do a pretty good job with them. I don't think they've brought in anyone and the presentation of them has been worse than I thought it could be when they came in. You know, they've they've at least gone down the middle with just about everybody, even Jake Hager. It's like, they've probably got about the best you can get out of Jake Hager. You could have just not brought him in, I guess, but they've they've done a fine job. So Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, I'm like, okay, I'm willing to kind of see where it goes. But here's the thing. We already have a Matt Cardona in this promotion and it's called Sean Spears. Cody's friend who doesn't really have anything else to offer isn't a high-level worker, isn't a high-level promo, isn't a high-level anything. So I'm not really sure what the purpose is. And I don't know who he's for. Like, This guy hasn't been a major player on WWE TV in like, what, a fucking decade? I mean, lit- literally. well, like or, ever, or ever. <laughs> I mean, I, I, who is tuning in? That's my thing. Who's tuning in to watch this guy on TV? I don't think anybody. And It's not like the Cody thing. So Matt Cardona is Cody in a lot of ways, right? Like they have a lot of similarities as far as the level that they were at when they were in WWE, the kind of worker they were. Uh, But Cody had to go through the Indies, go to Japan, go through Ring of Honor and do a lot of things to like get on a different level and learn a lot of new things. And Matt Cardona hasn't done any of that shit. And so it's just, this can't be good is all I'm saying.
2: So the real difference between Cody and Matt Cardona is uh, what's the I want to try. I'm just trying to use a non-gendered Cody uh, worked up the nerve to say, fuck this. I'm not doing this. I'm making my own way. I'm setting out on my own. I'm taking the hard path to getting over and becoming a star and building something myself. And Matt Cardona never, ever, ever did that. he, just ate the WWE shit for years and years and years and years and years. That's the big difference. Now I understand why they brought him in. Uh, and I, I think we'd heard in the DM that there's like a effectively a hiring freeze with the exception of Matt Cardona. Um, the first of all, he was like, he, he, he was like with Cole Cabana, the guy who pioneered sort of the getting over through other media routes through your YouTube videos and your podcasts. And a W has Uh, You know, really got over and came into existence through BTE. So, you know, they're paying some level of respect to that. Also, AEW has made a history of, you know, even with guys like Warhouse, if you've proven you can get over somewhere else, then we think you can get over again and we're going to give you a chance to do it. They've uh, held pretty true to that uh, throughout their existence. So I understand from those two aspects of it. Uh, But I just think it's, I just think he's the wrong kind of nepotism. I said this, uh, you know, I think in the lead up to the promotion getting started that. You know, it's great for Cody to bring in his friends and his buddies and, uh, you know, the legends and stuff that he really likes when it's somebody good, when it's, I um, uh, have to think, Tully blanchard um, or shit. Who else did Cody bring in that we like? Well, Dustin. Dustin, sure. Uh, but when you do that and you bring in your friend because they are friend, and it's Sean Spears, and it's Matt Cardona, and you're picking those people over talent like uh, Rusev or Leo Rush, then you're just making poor decisions for personal reasons, uh, is what I think comes down to the bottom line. Uh, You know, they're just not talents at the same level, uh, as far as my interest. And I, you know, it kind of sucks, but I just don't really want to give Zack Ryder a fair shake at showing what he can do. I'd like, you know, the guy got humiliated on WWE television for however many years and just continued to eat it. And I understand that, um, you know, there's people were afraid to lose their jobs because everyone's afraid to lose your job and you want to have the, uh, comfort of a nice income and WWE the industry leader and all this shit. Uh, but the WWE fucking sucks. Uh, and if you take their shit for long enough, if you're a Cesaro and you're there and you don't mean shit and you just keep doing it day after day, you're not a, a star. That's not what a star does. You're the guy who shows up to his nine to five and does his job, which is great. We love workers on this show. Like, the you know, we, uh, uh, want them to be empowered as much as possible. But in the context of wrestling, I want to see stars. I want to see larger than life. And when you eat the WWE shit for long enough, uh, that ship has sailed.
0: It's also something that I totally get your point about someone that like why should we give him a fair shake? It's also operating on his YouTube stuff, the long Island. I see, I think that's what it was called or whatever. And like when wait, there was wait,
2: wait. it was, that it was, that was actually worse. Uh, cause it's like a 30 year old reference at this point. Z yeah. a true long Island story.
0: Oh, fuck does he, does the
2: e channel still exist even? I,
0: I, I thought he had to sign it all over. I thought that was like part of the deal was both him and, uh, and, uh, Austin Creed has signed that stuff over to them. I think that no they idea. had it. But, like, my, my point is that was nine years ago. That was 2011. And that was like the big deal that was made because it was happening at the same time as all the punk stuff. And if if this was 2013 and they were like, hey, this is a guy who got screwed over, this is a guy that got over on some," totally understand that he wrote out the contract and got punished for this. But it's nine years later matt cardona is older than all three of us he is someone who has done virtually nothing other than like northeast indies and just wwe shit and unless they're trying to do this as like a veiled way of getting spawns con for their new action figure series and like get like them to put them over and like do like that on his action figure series it just like With, like, you brought up someone like Leo Rush and you brought up Handsome Miro. And with, like, Leo Rush, the jury's still out on if that was it from this weekend or not. So, like, you understand, like, there's a hesitance there, but you also have other people that are the options that have either chosen new landing places or have not chosen yet. And one of the big names you bring in is Matt Cardona, and you haven't come in as Cody's friend. We've seen this within the last 18 months. This is like very similar to how stuff was going before with Cody. And it's just like, oh, when is Matt Cardona going to turn on Cody? Because everyone else has. Or is he just going to be like his geek friend that's going to pick up falls, that's going to take falls from in tag matches? And wait, wasn't that QT's job? So there's just no like reason for it and it makes they you should, question. They should
2: take the uh should take the budget for matt cardona's uh uh performance enhancing supplements uh redirect it to war horse's column and then we're talking get get warhost with those fucking deltoids and and then we've got a superstar on our
0: hands i have whatever blood spinning whatever like prp i mean whatever you want to do there
1: i gotta give matt cardona credit for two things one getting on the gas unlike some cowards on the show and two just taking sitting at home and taking the- you should
0: be saving for the future but savings accounts suck and investing can be scary we combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing we call it save vesting and it's only available in our new app stairs stairs offers four to six percent returns no fees and you can withdraw anytime. do your future a favor Visit StairsApp.com today. WWE's
1: paychecks for years. I mean, I do respect that. Just like not even... No, that's not even a 9-to-5 guy for a long time. My man just sat at home.
2: I I do respect that, but... I respect that in a vacuum. But if you do that, you don't get to come back 10 years later and say, I'm a star now. Hey, it's important that I showed up to be on the wrestling show.
1: He's not a star. You give
2: up that opportunity,
1: yeah. My guess is, I mean... Even if anybody watching knew who he was, which obviously like people like us know who he is, but it's like there's nobody watching who thought, man, I used to think this guy was really good. I bet he can really go now that he's freed of the WWE's chains.
2: I mean, he was getting organically over on his own back when the WWE had, I don't know, 4 million viewers. So significantly more popular then than the WWE is now. Like,
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, he was over. I just mean, it's not like he's a... A high-level anything. Right. Worker, promo, nothing, really. Yeah, maybe, you know,
2: he's a high-level, he was a high-level guy at, you know. Doing having content, the, uh, I guess. <laughs> right, doing doing the shoulder content and, and coming up with a couple bits.
1: Yeah, well, you know, maybe it'll work out. I just, you start to worry sometimes about uh Cody's influence on things and Brandy's influence on things. Those things right. can be concerning at times, so we just see right. where it goes. All right, ratings this week. Uh, kind of a boring week for ratings. Everything stayed pretty much the same. AW dropped down about what eighty thousand viewers to seven hundred seventy-three. Six in the demo with a .3. NXT up about sixty-five thousand. I'm not good at math. Uh, to seven hundred seven thousand. Up to twenty-eighth in the demo with a .18 pretty strong performances considering that there was uh, a big baseball game that did not actually end up doing that well.
0: Welcome again (laughs) to the Church of the Demogod. I, of course, am. We
1: have bad music for this
2: yet because we need to get some organs or a choir. Uh,
0: Oh, I was going to drop that on y'all as a surprise anyways. Yeah, I'll find something for this. Beautiful. Uh, We are here. I am your guest pastor for this week. I like to thank the Demogod for allowing me to speak here. I am brother pastor Michael Spears from the from the mountainside congregation. But I have come here to talk about the mysteries and the wonders of the Demogod and about how these ratings have come out over the last few weeks. So, we we have been blessed by not a terrible draw-off against stiff competition, as AEW beat a nationally televised major league baseball game with one of the major major, one of the huge uh, West markets and the LA Dodgers. But don't rest on laurels because what the dem- Demogod God giveth, the Demogod can taketh. Next week could be revelations, friends, with the NBA having their return tonight and. It looks like there will be a double header next Wednesday, my friend. So we cannot take the demo god for certain. Uh, the only uh, television show that performed better in men 18 to 49 was, weirdly enough, Tucker Carlson, who had a .47 to AEW's .39. And it was a very weird night on TV. However, the, this weirdness also extends over to NXT as... Only repeats and news shows did worse and people from the age of 18 to 34 than NXT. So it's going to... We might be having some converging waters on us much like Noah and his ark. the next week. We might be entering the book of Revelations in the end times. But if we trust in the Demogod and understand that the Demogod both giveth and taketh and is a tremendous mystery, we might be able to further understand ratings. And now let's bow our heads in remembrance of the Demo God.
1: Amen. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, NBA is going to just it's gonna be bad.
0: Thanks be bad, real bad. But it's to be a double header, I think.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, bad job out of them putting on their worst show in a long time on the week before NBA comes back. They should have thought about that.
0: Yeah. And it's something also now that I'm out of the bit, uh, they put on such a good show two weeks ago that usually you would expect like a huge drop-off because weirdly, bad shows get more viewers the next week and then great shows have had like significant drop-off. This was like one of the lighter drop-offs between great shows. So who knows? Like, yeah. The, the one thing I'll say is that they'll probably still remain in like the top 10 in, in the demo on cable because everyone's going to take it to the face. Like this well, is going to be, a, this is a moon landing.
1: Well, you can already guess that NXT is going to have more total viewers than AEW next week because NXT old people only watch WWE content and the very cool people who watch AEW uh, also like to watch other things that are cool. So they'll probably dip out for some NBA.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm willing to bet that the NXT probably... I would say that I could see NXT being up to like 7.15 next week and the demo could be real ugly there, but AEW probably will go from like, they were 0.3 this week. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a drop down to like a 0.19. Like I could see it being like that. They lose a third of the demo because of NBA. I mean, am I off base and thinking that?
1: No, I think it's going to be very bad for them. <laughs> All right, let's get into what else happened on the show last night. We already talked about the opening uh 10-man best friends, Orange Cassidy, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus, defeated the inner circle which pinned Sammy Guevara after a bicycle kick, there was some inter- some interference, quote unquote by Matt Hardy. After the match Matt Hardy taunted Sammy Guevara, but we've already talked about that. There was a John Moxley promo. He says he tries to stay out of people's business. He has a rule if people leave him alone, he leaves them alone. Uh, he thought his thing with Cage was settled, but then Cage laid his hands on Mox's compadre. Darby Allen, a guy half his size. Uh, He says, Ricky Starks has fallen in with the wrong crowd. You all tried to jump someone two-on-one, so let's see how you look when the odds are even. And that was, of course, building up the main event tag match for later in the show. Next up, the TNT Championship. Cody defeated Warhorse with the figure four. After the match, the Beaver Boys came out to attack Cody. Warhorse tried to save him. Didn't quite work. Beaver Boys beat him down. And then the aforementioned Matt Cardona comes out and makes the ultimate save.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I just also want to shout out. Uh, you know, there was a lot of to do about AEW. was like, oh, no, we want to help the indies. We don't, you know, they were, when they were signing people up, then a lot of the indie talent was already depleted because NXT had already signed everybody up. Uh, and it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, they've actually, you know, done an impressive job of keeping their word on that. They've let their talent work independent shows. And here they are just giving, again, a ton of shine to a guy who's, an indie talent and not signed to our knowledge. Uh, so, you know, got to give them props. They, they stuck by their word on that.
1: Yeah, they can help like make some stars for, uh, for the Indies. So that seems to be what they're doing, but we'll see. Of course, when it comes down to it, they'll sign whoever they want. I'm sure. Inner Circle next was uh, out to talk to Tony Schiavone. Jericho said he was furious about what's going on with the Inner Circle. Of course, they had lost again earlier in the night. So they're going to start drawing some lines in the sand. Sammy tells Matt Hardy that uh, it isn't over between them. And then Jericho announces that on August 12th, he's going to have a rematch with Orange Cassidy. And when he beats him again, Orange is going to pay him $7,000 cash to replace his jacket. But for next week, there's going to be an Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho debate with a special guest moderator that's going to blow people's minds.
2: So who, is, who would blow our minds from Chris Jericho's perspective and would be an appropriate person in a moderator role? Larry King. Joe Rogan. Those would both be good. Uh, Joe Rogan would really set a lot of people off, so that
0: would be fun. <laughs> oh, God. The, 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 the Joe Rogan discourse would be insane.
1: That would be a, that'd be a big get for them.
0: Jerry, is- pull, up, pull up the video. Pull up the video.
1: The problem is you can't like I was trying to think of like turner related people so that you can have like an nba thing but like you know you, you can't have Shaq or Charles Barkley because they're too big of stars like they would outshine Jericho and or Yeah, Catholic. and
2: yeah in addition to being you know 2 feet taller than them.
1: Yes so you don't want to do that. Um I don't know or a CNN person I guess you could have that would kind of give it more of a, a politics yeah, feel. It,
2: yeah I don't think I don't think Jericho you know, I think this is somebody that Jericho had the specific opinion of blow your mind. I don't think he would say that if it was like, oh, yeah, we got Wolf Blitzer. That's that's something neat.
1: <laughs> Anderson
0: my Cooper other, showing up. My other thought is uh Scott Steiner. I mean, Scott Steiner would be. That would blow my mind. <laughs> it's not a far drive from uh, where he is in Georgia to Jacksonville for this. But I mean, he also almost died wrestling last year. So,
1: yeah, I, I don't, don't know. If I guess.
0: I, I think Joe Rogan would be like the really like just amusement one just because of the reaction that it would get, but also would very well fit in because now I'm imagining people going on to Joe Rogan that would just be insane from AEW. And I think that would be Jericho hasn't done Joe Rogan before, has he?
2: Not to my knowledge, but that would be like an actual good get. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, God,
2: we're
1: going to get. We're gonna it's going
2: to be. <laughs> I mean, you know, talking talking objectively from the the perspective of star power, it's like, oh, Joe Rogan has a huge following.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: big, I mean, it's gonna be
2: like it's gonna be like Duff McKagan. Duff
1: McKagan. <laughs> what if oh, you it's got? Gonna like, be, Ax-
2: it's gonna be Corey Motherfucking Taylor.
0: Oh, Corey Taylor. There we go. Yes, we be so be, Corey Taylor will show up on, uh, in Jacksonville. At least we know that. Perform yeah.
2: his new song.
0: I, I, at least we know that for sure Murder Brian would be watching then. But yeah, no, like Joe Rogan would be a big get and that's not making a comment on his commentary and who he gives air time to. He is literally the biggest podcast in the world. So and it would be a big get.
1: No, it's going to be. Uh, who was the guy that, that Jericho was feuding with recently about singing? Oh,
2: I think I saw something about that.
0: I mean, he feuds with everyone like yeah, at a this, certain the- point. It's a guy from a big band who
1: was like making some comment about Jericho singing and they kind of went back and forth. So anyway, it'd be fun if, if uh, they got him, but I don't even know who it is. So I guess it wouldn't be that fun. Okay.
2: Good job. Thanks.
1: Uh, Next up, we see Tony Giovanni in a conference room. We got Mega Parek, folks, is there. FTR is there. They have a lawyer next to them. That's what they say that he is anyway. He doesn't actually do anything the rest of this segment. Because FTR says they need a tag team consultant. Okay. Arne Anderson walks in to look at the contract to make sure it has what they want in it. Isn't that the point of a lawyer?
2: Yeah. So they brought in Arne to be their second lawyer here. Uh, and his his version of his version of contract review here was he whispered to them. Uh, and then they were like, hey, that thing that we agreed on uh, and is in the contract, tag team appreciation night, that's really going to happen, right? Of course, Megaparek, the lawyer, was like, yeah, it, it's in the contract. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, we're bound to it. You don't need to mention it to me again. It's in front of you.
1: They also clearly did this at a table, so we couldn't tell that Mega parec is as tall as FTR.
0: Yeah, and and they did it at a table, and the lighting was really bad here, and that really distracted me. Because usually when they've done this stuff, they've like made sure like the lighting was good. But wherever they chose to shoot this, this had to have been like somewhat of a... Spur of a moment thing because definitely kind of looked like a spur of a moment thing in comparison to other stuff they've done in this nature.
2: I think this was this was this the same room where they did the Sean Spears versus Cody contract signing on Road Two? This was like in the DDP studio somewhere. That was my we, guess. We've definitely you know, this
1: seen not, this on Road Two before. Okay, yeah,
0: you know, we've seen them do this. No, not this room. The room that they've always done stuff, the Road Two would always have like the whiteboards or they would do stuff at TIA Field. No, That's a
2: different room. I think the Cody and, and Spears one was this, I think, same side room. Um, but the most interesting thing about this, and I couldn't tell if this was a shoot or just some weird point that they wanted to get across, was Adam Page comes out with whiskey, pours everybody uh, you know, a glass of whiskey, has one glass that he says was going to be for Tony Schiavone, but since Arne is there, he pours it for Arne, and then Arn makes a point of saying, no, I'm not drinking that. Was that just a shoot that Adam Page did that? And Arne's like, no, I am not. I don't drink anymore. Or did they want to make the point here that, no, Aaron's not drinking anymore?
0: I mean, I think that there was also a comment that they said that they're like, oh, yeah, we'll drink that. And then the idea was that it was really cheap whiskey. And maybe Aaron was like, this shit, I'm not drinking it. <laughs> and just poured it out like that. Maybe that was it.
2: No, he, he said it. He, he moved it away from him. It was definitely a thing about not drinking in general. Okay. Yeah,
0: He
1: said something like, not anymore or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. I got the sense that Arne is like a a former drinker and not a drinker anymore. But I don't know whether it was. Why do you think they wanted to want to make a point of it rather than Adam Page just fucking up?
2: It it could have been you know it might have been like an awkward shoot thing to happen for Adam Page to go in there and offer the guy a drink when he's uh, you know recovering or whatever or just no longer drinking. Um, So that seemed you know that would be maybe a faux pas that you maybe wouldn't include in the finish thing. With, in, the other option is that was intentional I mean he brought four glasses he knew who was going to be at the table and they made a point of arm did, no I don't I don't drink
1: yeah I don't know it, it did like have an awkward energy there when Arn was like trying to f- decide what he was gonna say I thought so right. I could see it being legitimate but I'm also a mark so I, I don't know
2: yeah, that, that was the most interesting thing to me on the segment the rest of it was you know a bunch of uh, I don't know it, you would uh, maybe not the you know, not spectacular acting or anything. It's a lot of like, you know, but it's also a very difficult spot to put these wrestlers in. Like, Hey, pretend you're at a fake contract signing. where We have to get over these specific things about your contract. Like there's no winning way to do that. Really?
1: Yeah. We, we have to get over that. Your matches are going to have a 10 second count, Like every other tag match in the promotion. That's literally strictly enforced
2: rule. strictly enforced. Uh,
1: they're going to have a tag rope. They're going to be the only team in the, company that has a tag. It's like,
2: yeah, no, we, we have to put in the contract. That the rules are strictly enforced. Well, It's like, okay, if it's a rule, then it's supposed to be enforced in the first place. This is a lot of like a lot of people doing victory laps like, oh, ha you know, Trump's going to delay the election. Everybody's, all these dumbass libs are so shocked that, you know, it's all been run in the honor system. It's like, you know, <laughs> the entire construction of society is, yeah, kind of dependent on the honor system. You can't put in the Constitution. He really can't do this and then be surprised when Like somebody tries to break the rule. Like there's no, there's no way to compel these things besides everybody getting on board
1: of what they are supposed to be doing. Yeah. I was, I saw this thing on Twitter of, I forget where it was, but they were literally people just blocking the entrances to the eviction court in whatever town it was in. I think it's New Orleans. And I've just, I've been thinking a lot during all this about how basically everything bad that happens, there are people in society who allow it to happen. Like if, and and there's reasons why we're kind of like beat down to the point of not being able to stop a lot of these things from happening. So I'm not saying that it's people's fault that these things happen. I'm just saying if all of us decided one day there's not going to be any more evictions, we could just make that happen. We could just stop letting evictions happen, period. Um, and I guess they could also just all the wrestlers could stop uh, working if they don't strictly enforce a 10 count. You know, really, that's real labor power in uh, in action.
2: Yeah. Just very be like, oh, yeah, you're going to enforce the rules, right? I want that in the contract. Well, putting it in the contract <laughs> still necessitates that somebody make the direct action to enforce it. Right. You, know, that... you can't put, I super-duper mean this in a contract <laughs> right. and underline it three times, and now it is more effective somehow.
1: Right. It's not like you're also bringing in your own ref who's going to definitely enforce the 10 count or whatever. <sighs> yeah. They'll probably yeah, do absolutely. that at some point. They're also going to have a tag team appreciation night on August 12th, and the only match we know that's announced for that is – Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in a singles match. <laughs> Very good. Uh, the only thing we left out was that when Hangman came in to celebrate, he said, to the Mid-Atlantic. That was his uh, his toast. Yeah, this,
2: this, of course, has been developing on BTE, which we uh, recap on our weekly AEW live
1: show. That's right. Tag team titles. We actually haven't talked about this yet. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defeated the Dark Order team of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Hangman Page pinned Uno after the match Brody Lee said we saw Anna J. she was back and so Brody Lee sent Cole and Anna J. to the back this is kind of his thing now where he doesn't want the newer recruits to to see him get mad I suppose yells at the Beaver Boys starts attacking them Hangman's laughing Brody does not appreciate that Hangman is laughing and then he says Kenny thanks for showing up this week we really appreciate it actually Hangman really appreciates it the Bucks come out some creepers come out to kind of surround uh, the ring. Brody says that Kenny has pissed him off, or maybe it was Hangman has pissed him off for the last time, and uh, then FTR attacks from behind with the foam cooler again, and uh, basically the team of the elite and FTR win, or you know, they clear everybody out, and this sets up the six-man match that's going to be on, or the 12-man match that's
0: going to be on next week. I thought this was a pretty strong uh, tag match. I thought this, at least for like the Super Smash Brothers, I felt like that. This was a, after a while that they were gone and then like wrestling finding themselves and then the trials and tribulations of the dark order. I thought that this was a pretty strong match here. And if it wasn't for the exception of how much fun the main event was, this probably was at least my match of the night. Like it was a, the, like, I feel like that this was a better effort and it does feel kind of weird. Like, was I the only one that kind of felt like, oh, we're going back to that thing that, that ended one of the worst episodes of AEW TV tonight on what was one of the, like the most unenjoyable episodes of AEW dynamite in recent memory. Was I the that, only one who kind of noticed that that angle was good. Actually,
2: <laughs> it, it was funny to me that, uh, commentary and Tony, you know, acted like the creepers had never come out and surrounded the ring before. And I was like, Oh, this is a shocking development. I mean, this, uh, I'd say the highlight of this for me was Colt Cabana on commentary. Cause he, again, you know, he's a, uh, Uh, an experienced performer and like able to act in a way that your people like FCR aren't able to. And he really threaded a difficult needle here of like, he has to remain babyface, but seem like he's being enchanted by the throes of this clearly evil cult. Um, And so he has to sort of keep that distance between himself and the cult, but also, you know, that he's friends with them and enjoys hanging out with them. Uh, And he just played it very well and also had just interesting things to say. Uh, in terms of the match, like, i if this match had been on last week's show with the super hot first hour and everything, it would have been like, oh yeah, just another, another really strong match. Uh, but because it was on this show, um, you know, it did nothing for me. The Dark Order were obviously just no threat whatsoever. They've been totally minimized, this uh, this particular pair of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Um, BTE is Largely uh, been anchored by segments where Mr. Brody Lee makes uh, Evil Uno look like a jackass uh, and just clearly established that he's underneath him uh, and that he's you know uh, basically no better than John Silver uh, and that I just carried that through to this match. It was like obviously there's no chance of Dark Order winning here. This is basically nothing. They're gonna do their Kenny Omega Adam Page work rate tag match here and they're gonna win and we're gonna move on to the next thing. So yeah, Colt was the highlight for me.
0: And it does kind of seem like that the natural endpoint is going to be Brody and I guess Colt versus the Omega and Page. At least I get the feeling of like for at least this side of the this angle, like which that's just thing that's done pretty well. This is a pretty interwoven angle because you have FTR being involved, you have the Bucks being involved now, and then you could say like the fringe teams are involved as well. But it does seem like because the we, I did have the moment on light like, like wondering like is this going to be the time? Because it does feel like that that Hangman and Page's tag team champions have gone on as long as you could expect them to. But it does seem like that the natural endpoint might be Brody Lee and Colt Cabana. I mean, that that would definitely seem to be like the bigger match on offer than Evil Uno and Sue Grayson at this point, which is kind of wild to say, you know? Like Colt Cabana and Sue Grayson are more important to the Dark Order than the people who are like the original members of the Dark Order, but that's the world we live in now.
1: Yeah, I think that's the all-out match, the all-out tag team championship match. Next up, we got Britt Baker. She's got something to say about Big Swole. She knows Big Swole is in the women's tag team tournament, which we haven't talked about yet, but it has not they haven't told us the rules yet, so we'll tell you about that in a minute. She says she knows the Big Swole suspension is not going to last forever. She's not dumb. She's a dentist, but she also knows Big Swole more than anything wants to get her hands on Britt because Big Swole is obsessed with her, so she's a role model. She's going to give Swole a shot at her if she beats an opponent of Britt's choosing. Don't forget, this is still Brit's division. Thought this was uh, in line with the rest of the show. Not as good as as Brit's usual work. So kind of a a bummer. The Diamante video that we already talked about. She said she's been busting her ass on the indies for 10 years. She's an unsigned talent. Getting a win over the champion would really put her on the map. And the rest of the women would be forced to fear her. She's got nothing to lose. Everything to prove. And then she says in Spanish, the pressure makes diamonds. I will say it in English because I do not speak Spanish. Then Hikaru Shida defeated Diamante
0: with the Falconero. It was uh, a fine match. It was okay. It was... Uh, the video was so good that it kind of like was like, man, I wish this match was a little better to to capitalize on this video and really solidify Diamante, but this wasn't it for me.
1: The deadly draw was announced yet. Yeah, uh, announced, what, next? That's the word I was looking for, I think. Well, next your first
0: draw, right?
1: No, that right. came up after this. Came up my after bad. This. my
0: bad. Disregard. Delete. So the this deadly draws location. is going to be the draw all for at the same
2: time. One led directly into the other It's the same segment. That's true. Uh,
1: this is going to be for the women's tag team tournament that we've been told about. It's going to be a random draw. All competitors must draw a color, and the matching colors will become a team. Most importantly, though, folks, you got to read all the fine print. Selections are final and cannot be appealed. <laughs> do not file an appeal.
2: No yeah. due process for no the t- deadly draw. Of picks.
1: Well, I'm not sure what circuit Georgia is in, but do not file an appeal to the United States Circuit Court of Appeals. It is, will is be there, denied.
0: Is there a preferred arbitrator? And that preferred arbitrator is Mega correct in this? Uh, Mega should maybe have a role, but no, she, no
1: it cannot be appealed. Don't try it. I just thought that was really funny. Oh, no,
0: that, that, <laughs> oh, like that is <laughs>
1: <laughs> Also, like, what is up with them? And you had the, uh, the battle royal with the suits. You drew, you drew a suit, a card, and you ended up <laughs> right. in a thing. They, they, they draw real. a color. Yeah, but it was like, what? Very weird, the way that they I like can, I,
2: I kind of like it. It, it. For, you know, it's just a little bit more color for <laughs> the, the way that they're presenting it.
0: Well, I mean, this is a, uh, gambling promotion. Like they like gamble to make this big promotion. Like whenever someone's all in, they're all elite, all in. Like they really like having the gambling metaphors. I'm really hoping that so we get like an old timey gambler character that's a jobber down the line. I think that'd be a good role for Griff Garrison if he's like an old timey gambler. A gambler, maybe Griff Garrison. Yeah.
2: Um, if they make the teams get matching gear in the color that they select, maybe that's
1: ooh. Of course, Nate, Mister Aesthetics, would come up with with that idea. All right. Then we saw Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose backstage with Dasha and Vicky says she doesn't care who their partner is because they're going to win. Nyla picks purple. Dasha informs her someone else has already picked purple and boy, oh boy, next up on the screen. It's <laughs> fucking Cameron. Ariane Andrew is all elite.
2: Uh, yeah. Totally mind blowing appearance here. Much more exciting than Zack Ryder for me personally. Uh, it is, you know, I've talked about this a lot, diminishing returns. You do one debut on the show and the next debut on the show maybe mis- means a little less. So I can't imagine a world where, uh, you know, having Ariane Andrew, uh, debut here makes you think of, uh, you know, TNA it's like, Hey, we got Heath Slater and Brian Myers, right? That's like the worst version <laughs> of this, but, <laughs> uh, firstly, this is such an off the board, totally wild choice that I cannot help, but be excited about it. Uh, you know, we, unfortunately we haven't been able to have any TJPW talent here on these shows because nobody can travel. Uh, so it's good that we're going to have that just sort of like, um, chaotic energy of Cameron where it's like, she's maybe not that good, but God damn it. She's going to go out there and try her hardest and she's going to go, uh, you know, full swing into it. And, uh, you know, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that she might be like kind of good. And she's got the GCW indie credibility now. Cause she was going to be on Effie's big gay brunch and she was training for that. So like I don't, my, my interest in the tournament was already pretty high, but going this far off the board is like, Oh, this is going to be some shit to watch here.
0: <laughs> at the very least, like y'all know how I, how I feel at the very least, this will be interesting and I will take I'll take interesting any day of the week. And if 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 Ariana Andrews coming in, who else might be coming in and this could be like a wild ride uh, that that could happen and maybe we could because there is somewhat that relationship uh, with DDT, maybe we could like form like a pink ready uh, USA, maybe a daydream. We can we can we get some like some some teams there. maybe we could have the neo bashiki gun pop up in this thing. We could really like still have the Tokyo Joshi Pro flavor. In this tournament, even if we did not have people appearing in it,
1: I, I'm very sad that you guys are both into this because I wanted to be the one who's into it. Um, yeah,
2: no, I I announced to the DM very early today that I was talking myself into a big time.
1: I I legitimately gasped when she was on screen. <laughs> I could not fucking believe it. And to me, it's like, and
2: not only should she show up, dropped her iconic catchphrase.
1: Yes, girl, bye. <laughs> oh she's so good well she dropped a girl high here i guess but so good
0: it uh, owns
1: i just think like it, i don't think they've signed her it doesn't appear they've signed her they're going to be bringing in some people for this uh tag team tournament you might as well try some people out i think that's fun i i just i can't imagine being upset about this other than nate's uh valid criticism that it's like tna-ish the way that they kind of did the <laughs> debuts on this show right
2: and you know, she's going to be the lost poll for Nyla, which is perfect. Like now you have an excuse for beating Nyla's team um because she's, you know, got Cameron as her second. That's like yeah, no room to be mad about this. The only the only way to be mad about this is mad that they lessened the impact of Cameron's debut by doing it on the same show as Matt Cardone.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the real fun <laughs> yes. of contention right here.
1: <laughs> Somebody posted in the in the Discord last night when Cameron came out the, uh, the 50 cent tweet. That's like everybody get off my timeline. The next 10 minutes is just entertainment for gay men and bitches. <laughs> uh, I thought that was funny. So I thought, <laughs> thought I'd share it with everybody. Um, Frankie Thomas. I just saw him pop up in the discord. Big fan. Next was the MJF state of AEW address. I am not going to recap all of this. I just refuse to. It was long. There was a lot to it. Um yeah. We already talked about it a lot. Yeah. So I'm not gonna do it. He challenged John Moxley for all out. That's what you need to know.
0: Uh then I mean, there's one thing we need to note. Lee Johnson is officially affiliated with Wardlow and MJF. That's, that's right. The only big thing you need to know.
1: Big shoddy Lee Johnson was was there in the in the background and then got a, a socials promo where he talked about why he was supporting MJF's candidacy. So Good for Big Shoddy, Lee Johnson. Also, the I, guess, I don't know if we talk about that on this show. This on this show that much, but uh, a lot of QT students back on this show. They've been gone. There was QT had been potentially exposed to COVID, and so they a lot of his people had not been on dark. And then they're back. Even though I don't, I guess QT is focusing on that uh, Nightmare Factory camp that got announced today. So I don't know if we'll see him soon. We also speaking of the deadly draw, we also learned that the uh, the Nightmare Sisters will not be permitted to just enter the tag team tournament together. They're, they're going to both have to draw.
2: Right. Even though they definitely had on socials that the nightmare sisters would be in the deadly draw, um, you know, just sloppy. Also, Brandy was like upset. that They're not going to be together now. I yep. think yeah. Which that's not clear. I thought she was, this was like against her will and she was a reluctant partner, but now she's like not happy about it.
0: <laughs> well, they have a special theme now. So she's all in now. She's going in and coming out. I'm going in. <laughs> uh, uh, I
2: can't wait to hear Mikey Ruggis' theme for Ariana Andrew.
1: Oh, God. Oh, yes.
2: I don't know. She's just going to get Nylas music, isn't she?
1: She should get like, one of her She needs her own theme. Her album. Yeah. She's so cool. I'm excited that she's here. <laughs> I like, it's so, like, on the uh, on the live chat, I usually just like have my mic running and so you can just hear whatever, but I had muted my mic so that I could write down whatever they said in the promo, so it was just to no one. I just, I was just, <laughs> <laughs> could not believe that it was, I just, if you had told me of all the people in the world to guess who was yeah, going to show not, up on this.
2: Not on the radar whatsoever,
1: just so, totally. That's it's what I'm here get. for. Huge yeah, get. Huge get. Yeah. Darby's music played, but he didn't come out. Mox came out. This is where we get the, the promos with Taz asking where Mox's little buddy is. Uh, what Did he get beaten up by Ricky Starks? Now he's not showing up. Then he does a promo where he just talks about each of Brian Cage's muscles. Uh, luckily, did not tell us about his yummy little penis. We didn't <laughs> have to hear about that from Taz. <laughs> Although the idea of Taz saying yummy little penis is now going to bounce around my head for a week or two so that was, was it funny. yummy
2: was yummy what she said it I thought it was beautiful was it no Moe? it was yummy it was oh, yummy right. yeah. I didn't study the tweet but okay <laughs> it's
1: a good tweet uh Ricky Starks then said Taz recruited him because he knew that Ricky has something different than mox or darby uh when Taz tells him to go get someone he does everybody thinks darby is mysterious but he just looks like Pigpen and wrestles like a crash test dummy but when you try hard you die hard that's why he's digging Two graves tonight. And, he doesn't uh, look
2: like Pigpen. If I had to pick a peanuts character, he looks most like Schroeder. <laughs> right? He doesn't look like Pigpen, does he?
1: I don't fucking know. what he's Schroeder not, He's looks not. Like.
2: Schroeder was the piano player, but he had like he has the similar hair. Pigpen has a dust cloud around him all the time.
1: I think he just meant like he's dirty.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just you know be more accurate in your slams.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh around this time they walked out. Darby does the coffin drop from the rafters. Everybody, whoever said that Darby was the uh the sting, the uh, of the sting and WO feud, somebody said that. Uh this is just more more ammunition for that argument because he is coming down from the rafters. And then that led right into the match. Brian Cage and Ricky Starks lost. Got this wrong in my notes to John Moxley, and Darby Allen. Darby pinned Starks. With a skateboard full of thumbtacks to the back. I honestly, like I saw him show us the bottom of the skateboard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's, it's shiny under there. That's interesting. And then he did the move. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then Ricky Starks went like crazy. And I was like, what's happening? And then they showed Ricky Starks back and I put it all together. But before that moment, I did, did not understand. Have commentary me. muted? I just, I always have it kind of low because I'm, you know, on the, on yeah. the live chat. So yeah, they said yeah. that openly that it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: It it was gross. Like, that's one way of, like, at least my understanding, if you take a tack spot, you're able to, like, surface area things. But when it's driven into your back, that's just... And you're not going to always have, like, thumbtacks hit you if you pour them out. Like, each of those were, like, into his back. Like, that was a... That was a... a, That looked like that sucked. Like, straight up sucked.
1: Yeah, you pull thumbtacks out. Some of them are going to go, like, the wrong way, right? So none of them are going in your back, some of those, but yeah, it looked bad. It didn't look fun. And when they, the picture I saw where it was like they had scraped across his back too, like that didn't look very fun. So that was the show. Uh If you enjoy our show and you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash everything elite. we got three tiers. You can check out everything you can get uh, on the Patreon there. We always provide on Wednesdays, a show called AW light, which is a preview of AW Dark, I'm sorry of AW Dynamite. Or a review of AW Dark, and then Nate gives us the all the vlogs. Every vlog that is posted on YouTube, uh, Nate watches it for that week and then recaps it on the show.
0: And if it's not mentioned, then it's not worthless watching. So Nate, Nate is right. the the great blog distiller.
1: <laughs> That's all true. We also do uh, bonus other bonus audio content. Like for example, this last week on Monday, Mike did. A show on our ongoing series into the Codyverse, where he talked about a bunch of American indie wrestling.
0: Yeah, it was a kind of the big return of the indies somehow under the radar last weekend. There was a big show, in in Bentley territory. I was real disappointed not to see the Bentleys at a American Legion Hall basement watching uh, a UWFI slash shoot fights. But it was a it was, it was a bunch of big shows on. Joey Janela was on the DDT sh- was on the GCW shows and won the DDT Ironman Heavy Metalweight Championship on this. And other people of note like popped up there. A longtime favorite of the EE Universe, Chris Dickinson had was the MVP of this weekend. And there's a lot of wrestling stuff kind of coming up and wrestling stuff that happens. So it was a good time to dip into the Codyverse.
1: Yeah, so you can get bonus audio content like that on our Patreon. Uh, And you can join our Discord, of course, and come in and and chat with us all the time. And then, uh, big announcement here. In August, you want to sign up for August because I will also be bringing you, I'm not sure if daily is the right word, but whenever it happens, the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix, which is their big singles tournament uh, that's starting on August 8th and 9th, I'll be doing, every day they have a show, I'll be doing audio content, reviewing, Ah, uh, the show from that day. As soon as they, you know, get the matches up, which sometimes takes a little bit, but as soon as they do, I'll be doing that. So you can get a lot of that. Uh, my my co-host on uh, the Joshi podcast I do, Jumping Bomb Audio, is going to join me for some of those. So I'm not sure exactly uh, if he'll be on there for all of them, but Taylor's going to join me for some of those. So that'll be fun. So subscribe now and get a full month plus get everything that we've uh, that we've done in the past.
2: Well, yeah, subscribe now. It might be the thirty first of July, in which case you're going to get charged again on August first.
1: That's, that's right. I, I'm kind of assuming you might not listen to this till Saturday. You know, so. right?
2: Well, so you know, we recorded on Thursday. So if we're sitting on Friday, uh, then it's still July thirty first. In which case, yeah. you're going to get charged twice. Yeah. Wait till uh, tomorrow, Saturday, which is in two days. Unless you're listening to this on Saturday, in which case it's today. Right. Uh,
0: then
1: that'll be August first, and you'll get uh, you know the full month there. If it is August first or later when you're listening to this,
0: sign up right now. However, if you are someone who's listening to this way in the future and you're doing a big catch up, check to see whenever like the halfway point of the month is and make your own broad determination on if it's the value. You know,
2: right. This is uh, this is August 1st, 2020. So if you're listening in 2021 or later, then none of this is relevant because the the, the five star grand prix happened years ago.
1: You know, I like telling people that you, you will get charged when you sign up and then uh, again on the first of the month. But honestly, there's so much content that it's worth it and you should do it anyway. I mean, I am really probably shouldn't sign up on the last day of the month. And then, yeah. You know, yeah. The next yeah like but if it's, you know, the, the 18th, like, yeah, you're still going to get plenty of content. So join us. We're All coming right. Up on
0: the one year anniversary and we already have over a hundred shows up there from it. anything from having guests on like murder, Brian talking about wrestling, small business tyrants to the errands to breaking strong hearts to just basically everything within and, and also all the, uh, instant reactions for uh, for the pay-per views will not probably be a case in August but looking to September we'll probably have a we will most likely have a live re- a reaction to all in 2020 All oh out. Out yeah, <laughs> I yeah. always get, always get that messed up I always do
1: yeah so join us patreon.com slash everything elite if you hit the five dollar tier you'll get everything we do in audio form. All right, next week on Dynamite, the 12-man tag, we've talked about the Jericho versus Cassidy debate. Uh, They just um, kind of ad hoc announced at the end of the show, John Moxley will defend his title against Darby Allin next week. The mega powers collide or explode. And then Cody and Matt Cardona will take on the Beaver Boys. And because it was so good this week, we're getting another MJF promo next week, baby. Okay. Deadly Draw, I should have just said this earlier, that starts on Monday on YouTube. So there's going to be, I guess we'll get to watch all of the drawing for the teams on Monday. Uh, I would guess, if that's funny enough, we'll jump on and do a a little (laughs)
0: Patreon content, but only if it's funny. If it's just boring, we won't. It's going
2: to be hard to top. The the reemergence <laughs> of Cameron.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, if they true. got Cameron, who won't they get for this? Like, that's, that's true. I, I, they, I they should have, say they have a high watermark right now. No, I mean, here, here's
2: a promise: if Eva Marie shows up, then we're doing a show.
0: Well, okay. yeah, no, that's if, fair. I mean, all right, everything will show up. Then, yes, but then we yeah, have put like, on, on my fucking
2: Eva Marie T-shirt. <laughs>
0: to do the, show, <laughs> the the best of Total Divas circa 2014. And and if there's
1: no Eva Marie, then probably Mike and I will just talk about the deadly draw unlight. That's probably the best. Yeah. Best thing to do. Uh, I talked about the wrestling camp starting September 21st. I, I guess if you're a, a pro wrestler of any experience level, go check it out because they're taking they're taking uh, anybody of any level. So try it out, I guess, and uh, learn from Cody and QT, I suppose,
0: and uh, other people maybe teaching things about wrestlenomics. That's
1: right. That. I, I so. think. I mean, I'm just reading tea leaves here, but we could have a friend of the show, Chris Mukigana Harrington, teaching. Some uh, very important economic lessons.
2: I'm really interested to know who owns the WrestleNomics IP.
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see the Tony Khan versus Joe Lanza IP fight over <laughs> over WrestleNomics.
2: Oh, well, I, TK is not involved in this camp, I don't think. But I was interested no. between, between Mukigana and BHT.
1: Yeah, but did they, you know, mistakenly sign something over to uh to voices. I don't of know.
2: Did we did we do that?
1: No, Not- we own we own everything elite. Okay.
0: I, I mean everything elite is a branch of your old pal productions, a subsidiary of Spears Innovations. So
1: we're okay. We yes, we own the name. So, you know, when this really <laughs> blows up, we will we'll reap all the benefits. Uh okay, last thing. Uh if you didn't notice it, Excalibur was not on this show. There was no announcement about it. So as far as I know, so I think we're just kind of speculating here. But of course, earlier in the week, some footage from PWG, I think in 2005, dropped. And, or not. I mean, people, I'd seen it before. So I assume other people have seen it before. Uh, basically, there was an angle that included a some promos at the ring and then a backstage promo where Excalibur used the N-word uh, once on both occasions. Uh, not what you want, absolutely. And we kind of assume that that's why he was taken off TV for this week. My understanding, and I haven't gone back to look for this, my understanding is that Excalibur has acknowledged and uh, you know talked about his remorse over doing this angle multiple times. Uh, and I expect we will be getting another one of those here pretty soon from Excalibur.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, inexcusable that they did it in the first place uh you know we're not talking about i mean it was it obviously was always inexcusable, but this wasn't 100 years ago this was 15 years ago or whatever uh so just as awful then as it was now uh but you know they set a promo- a precedent in this promotion that people you know would be punished for old comments and old commenting old comments resurfacing is what i meant to say uh so at least there's some consistency on that that you know sammy was uh, held to account for what he said a couple years ago. And, uh, it appears that maybe Excalibur was as well. Um, so there's some consistency on that point. And yeah, I believe there was, uh, I think they had a, a, maybe an apology that was even included on a PWG show if I'm not mistaken. So
0: I think that was on a somewhat more recent PWG show to my knowledge too. I think, I don't know, but yeah, no, um, I don't know. I, I would have to, I, I don't want to make assumptions about previous knowledge within a W of this other than Excalibur has addressed this in the past. And I, as y'all said, I expect that he will address it again and probably show the same amount of contrition that he has for it, it was fucked up then. And it's fucked up now.
1: Yeah. Th- the only thing I want to uh, push back on quickly is when people give the, like, it was a different time thing. It's like, okay, lots of people knew in 2005 that that was, <laughs> unacceptable
2: everybody knew in 2005 that that was unacceptable that was maybe now i didn't even want to begin to speculate what they thought they were going for but yeah obviously unacceptable
1: and also it's gross i just one more thing i want to say that's gross is there was a a black person who was involved in this angle human tornado and i don't know all the all the intricacies of how this went down but a lot of times people will start saying well since a black person was involved, they probably said they were okay with it or whatever, which is like, just not how power works (laughs) at all. So like it's, there's just, it's not acceptable. Even if human tornado came out and said he was okay with it, it remains unacceptable.
2: He actually did. He came out and said that he was uh, still cool with Excalibur and all that. But uh, you know, obviously uh, human tornado does not have the uh, uh, license to speak for every black person. Uh, And right. Him, him, you know, authorizing it after the fact or before the fact or whatever uh, has no bearing on its larger uh, effect on other people or you know larger societal implications. So,
1: yeah, and, I, and I'm not saying we should uh, we should toss Excalibur into the bin for this whatsoever. I think people say dumb things and things that uh, are unacceptable to everyone. And I, it's basically on. It's up to everybody. It's up to. It's mostly up to uh, black people if they you know how they feel about. Excalibur, based on this, but it's up to everybody to decide whether you think he's genuine in uh, apologizing and not just apologizing, but learning from what he did and uh, and growing from there. And if you do, then you should accept him back. And if not, then you should be pissed at him. You know, it's it's up to you. But uh, my personal opinion, and it doesn't matter because I'm a white guy, is Excalibur seems to be uh, remorseful. And if the black people in that company uh, think it's okay for him to be around, then it's uh, hard for me to say otherwise. Okay, well, I think that's the show for this week. We're not going to talk about Jason Bateman on this episode. So if you have any thoughts about Jason Bateman, you can contact us at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Uh, subscribe, give us a five star rating, interview, and please, if you want to support us, go check out Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.